Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kublup campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. So we started a series uh, three weeks ago on the feasts of the Old Testament and how those feasts are applicable to us today. And so first week was on the Passover and how Jesus and through his blood uh, covers us of our sins and the symbolism behind that and who Jesus is. Last week, Michael covered the issue of or the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And today, I'll have a look at the Feast of First Fruits. We had a corporal in the army that said, first is first and second is nowhere. So after my basic training, I went on to an officer's course and there was major pressure to excel. First, make sure that you come first. He said, if you come second, then it will be a long night for you and the sun will take long to come up. (laughs) In other words, he would punish us because first is first and second is nowhere. We know that God fills us with his presence. He is a powerful God and our lives overflow in miraculous ways. And God steps in where it seems there is no way. Where it seems there is no way, God steps in. So with reference to this (coughs) feast of first fruits, what does that mean? Well, the Israelites had to take the first of everything that was produced and give it back to God. Give it back to God. And so it was first to come in time because as you gave back to God, it was a pledge of things to come. And now that takes a step of faith as one gives not of what's left over, but of your first fruits of your first lamb, of the first of the fruit of the crop. So it's a step of faith of what could come. And some might have a bad crop, but at least you've uh, given your heart to the things of God and obeyed what he has commanded. You've dedicated your, yourself and the things that God has given you back to him. We read about this feast and the first fruit ceremony in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 to 11. So we read, when you have entered the land, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits of all you produce from the soil of the land. The Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean 
And he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. Verse 8. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror, with signs and wonders. We read about that in Exodus, how God delivered the people. They weren't called Israel before that, but from that time on, God called them Israel, people of God. That's what Israel means, people of God. He had took them out of Egypt, Exodus, and was taking them to the promised land. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in the good things of the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Let me say up front that there is no New Testament command that asks us to abide by this uh, first fruit ceremony. No New Testament command. We know that God loves a cheerful giver and we are expected to give of our substance back to God. Earlier on in Exodus chapter 34 verse 26 we read, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. And so, what does that mean? Well, folk, in this church in the last five years and a month, we've never once preached on tithing. And rest assured, it's not going to be today that I preach on that either. Because, God, somebody, no, no. But folk, God is gracious and God has blessed our church and what God wants is more than my back pocket and my wallet. He wants of who I am. Yeah. Hence, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That word first there is the word proton. First in time and in place. First in influence. First at the first is what it means. So when you do things first, make sure that God is first in the things that you put first. Get it? Seek, he's saying. Ziteo is the word. Seek, look for it. Look for it in such a way that you find it. Don't give it a boy's look. <laughs> you know, look in order to find what? Proton, the things that you might prioritize as first, but when you say, well, I need to do these things Tomorrow, make sure that God is first of those first things. That's what that verse means. And that equates similar to what uh, this feast of first fruits is all about. We all want to know uh, what God's plan and purpose is for our lives. Well, in 3 John, it's only one chapter, in verse 2, it says uh, that, that God wants you to prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. God wants us to put him first so we might prosper uh, in health, in finances, in relationships, 
He wants us not to be full just with happiness, but with joy that we overflow, that joy that is absolutely secure in our hearts and minds that God is in control. But conversely, if we ignore these, this principle of first fruits and putting God first, and we want to wonder why, that we might be coming second in certain areas, in relationships, why we're having trouble and trauma and, and difficulties. Well, friends, it's not easy to put God first in everything. On my Bible, I've got a little badge that says Jesus first. And I wish I could put it on my forehead, but then I wouldn't be able to see it. But almost as if I want to inscribe it on my hand every day to put Jesus first in every area of my life. And when things don't go the way I plan them, then I want to question why things don't go that way in my life and in other people's lives because it is an intentional decision. It's an intentional decision. Our God, we know, the creator of the universe, desires to put to, or to be first in our lives. That's how he made us. In fact, uh, as we begin to investigate this feast, we uh, encourage one another to put him first. That's why we gather on the first day of the week. It's not Monday that's the first day, it's a Sunday. Why? In principle, to put God first. So I encourage you to come to church because there is this beauty uh, of fellowship, kinonia, this intimacy that takes place in participating in one another's lives. This intimacy that takes place in the room next door through a cup of tea or coffee and a biscuit and a pumpkin muffin. Thank you, Auntie Maxine. And some yamo jam. Why? What are we talking about? It's how we gather together and put him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It starts off by coming to church and lifting your praises to him by saying, God, you are number one in my life. You're number one in my life. We gather together as men and women of God to glorify his name. Well, what about Jesus? Jesus is God's first fruits. The very beginning, Jesus was there, part of creation, we're told. God has always worked by and demonstrated this principle, or God has worked and demonstrated this principle of first fruits through Jesus Christ. He came and gave us his son for greater things to come. That's the promise. And friends, if God is God, there are certain things he cannot do. If God is God, there are certain things he cannot do. He cannot break his promises. Got you there in suspense, eh? What are you going to say now? <laughs> God can do everything. Yes, he can. But it's not in his character to break his promises. Because he is God. And so, we know that God sends his perfect son, the one without sin, without blemish, just as we read the Passover. And he comes and he gives his life for you and for me. We read in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that uh, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. That word demonstrates is the word sinistao, which means he, he pulled it all together. He demonstrated his love for you and for me, not by doing nothing, but he pulls it all together. It's almost as if God counts the cost and still gives us his son. 
He counts the cost and still gives us his son. He pulls it all together. He says, that is what will redeem the people. That is what will bring them back to me. While we're still sinners, he sends his son to you and to me. No wonder John the Baptist says in John chapter tw- uh, 1 verse 29 that one will come greater than me and behold the Lamb of God. Have a look. It is he. Who is it? Jesus Christ who takes away the sin of the world. That pure spotless Lamb of God buys, purchases, redeems. That's what the word redeem means. He pays the price to get us back to himself through the cross of Calvary, not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He pays the price to get us back. And so what is this first fruits? What's it all about? Well, this concept of first fruits comes from God's creation. In the very beginning, God created everything that exists. And we can read about that in Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So everything belongs to God, everything. And so he allows you and me to have a portion of that. Wow, what a privilege that is. So as we are allowed to have what belongs to him, it should go without saying that we give back to God what he has given us. So you read in the Old Testament, it's full of giving back of their crops in Exodus 23, of their wheat harvest, Exodus 34, their olive oil, the finest new wine, honey, sheep wool, fruit, makes it very clear that everything that is in this world belongs to God and you and I have the privilege of giving back to him. We can keep, but we have the privilege of using what he's given us. And so you and I are the first fruits of God. Why? Because he created us and he created us in such a way that we're able to, to keep what he's given us and give a portion back. What a privilege. And folk, you know, the tithe is one-tenth of what he has given us, if you think about it. That Old Testament principle. In other words, we are able to, you know, we often go, oh, I have to give a tenth back. You and I have the privilege of keeping nine-tenths. <laughs> nine-tenths of what he's given us. And then he blesses us on top of that. What's the best thing in the world being the first fruits of God's creation, Jesus comes and allows us as believers to be his first fruits. And so with all of that, we're able to live a life that's pleasing to him in appreciation for what he has done for us. Now one day in Romans 12 verse 1, we're called to live holy lives. To present ourselves as holy first fruits to God, living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And He has given us His Spirit. He has given us His Spirit. We often think, well, how am I going to please God? He, you know, there's a standard that He wants me to keep. Friends, He doesn't expect us to keep that standard on our own. Last week I preached at Burgoon and I gave the illustration of a radio controlled car. You know, when you go and buy one, it will say, no batteries included. And so you can give that radio-controlled car, whatever toy that needs batteries, to a kid. 
And by making the sound, brum, 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 it doesn't make that car go. You need to put the batteries in. And so God sets a standard of holiness. We spoke about it last week with the unleavened bread, that holiness. But he doesn't call us to do it on our own. He's given us the comforter, the counselor promised in John chapter 14. The paracletos, the one will come parallel alongside us and reveal the truth to us. His name is Jesus. So he never says, go and live a holy life without my power. No, he gives us the power to be able to do that. And so, Romans 8 to 23, we have this guarantee of the Holy Spirit that comes and empowers us. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, we have this guarantee that we too will rise one day. Wow, what a privilege that is. In fact, it's confirmed in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 and 23, where Christ's bodily resurrection is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Here's the guarantee. Jesus is God's first fruits, and you and I are the first fruits that we will be with him forever. Even that first sheep, sheaf of the crop was to be brought to God in Leviticus chapter 23 as a guarantee that the rest of the harvest was coming. And God calls us to holy living. He used to do a lecture at the uni on being sacramental. Now, folks, the sacraments are a sign and a symbol of God's grace. And that's what you and I are, a sign and a symbol of God's grace. How do we do that? Living as pagans? No, by living as men and women of God, we reflect who Jesus is in appreciation for what he has done for us, not in our own strength, as I said, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you look at Abraham, he took faith, but he goes out, he takes that step of faith, and he goes. You and I, we take that step of faith as we go, and God makes the way. Well, what about faith and obedience? We know that everything that uh, the earth has created belongs to God. That's brought into this world belongs to God. And so, by faith, we put God first. And first, we give Him first of our time and our priorities. And giving back to God what belongs to Him and is given uh, to us. What a pr privilege and a pleasure. And so, if there are uh, ewes, females, you don't wait until they've all given little lambs and say, well, let us have our share first, and then we'll give back to God if there's anything left. No, the command is that we give of our first fruits. In other words, that first little lamb that's born from that ew is a step of faith giving back to God that God you will do whatever you want with the rest. That's a step of faith. You know what? It could be many little lambs after that, or it could be none. But because we are children of God, we take that step of faith and obedience that go hand in hand. And so there are many people who uh, don't do that. They go, well, I'll just do some things that suit me and other things not. But we take that step of faith 
That goes hand in hand in obedience. Because we're told in Habakkuk 2.4 that the righteous will live by faith. In fact, in Romans 1.17, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Friends, let me just say this with reference to uh, that he exists. That word exists is actually a verb. That he will be. And he is to be what he wants to be. In other words, God will accomplish his purposes despite me. What a privilege it is to be able to be used by God to accomplish his purposes. What a privilege it is that God uses human beings to accomplish his purposes. What a privilege. And then he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Again, that word seek, seek in order to find. In other words, we are looking for for something. It's not kind of this, okay, I hope it happens. No, we are seeking the plan and purpose of God in our lives. So we recognize and put him first. First in my life. And I trust that God will take care of the rest of the things in my life as I put him first. You see, it's easier to give somebody 10 bucks and tell them to go down to Woolies and buy something for themselves than actually making something for them. So he doesn't just want my money, he wants me. It's easier to give 10 bucks than to make four slices of bread with Yummo lemon curd jam and strawberry jam and an apple and give somebody. It might cost $2 max, but that takes of my effort. And that's what God wants. He wants of who I am, not my 10 bucks. He wants who I am. He wants the very core of who I am because the 10 bucks comes easier than the very core of who I am. And that's why what you share, you keep. But what you keep, you lose. Does that make sense? What you share, whether it's the word of God or anything else, as you share it, you keep it. But what you keep for yourself eventually becomes stagnant and you lose it. If you ever go to, uh, on a walk and you see uh, water that's stagnant, it's rotten. But when it's moving, it's life-giving. And that's what God wants. He wants us to be life-giving going places. I remember saying to my younger sister, is Jesus your Lord? Yes. Is he your master? Yes. She was struggling to give of her money. So I said to her, hasn't God blessed you? Yes. Given you a good job? Yes. Why can't you give back to him a portion of what he has given you? Oh, you know, too many expenses, too many bills to pay. I said, well, then you need to cut your expenses and your bills and give him your first. Oh, can't go to church because, you know, too busy doing stuff. God wants my heart. If he is Lord, then he's got to be master as well. And we need to be obedient in faith. First fruits purify the fruit that follows. As we give, it's in anticipation that God is number one. He is the one that leads. He's the one that guides. He's the one that makes a way that seems to be no way. I'll never forget when I was in the army, 
And this is to give God the glory. We, uh, after doing the officer's course, I, I had uh, a lieutenant that was an atheist. And I was kind of a, you know, I didn't, I wasn't shy in sharing my faith when I was in the army. They knew I was uh, a believer. And he didn't like that. I didn't clash with him, but he didn't like my very presence because he couldn't be this immoral person, you know. And my very presence irritated him. And so when it came to the grading, he, uh, he recommended that I become a non-commissioned officer. In other words, a corporal. But instead, when we went, there were a whole lot of psychiatrists and psychologists and colonels and, you know, uh, big shot uh, brass in the army that actually evaluate you whether you're going to become a non-commissioned officer or a commissioned officer. There's a big difference between the two. Either I get one stripe or one star. Big difference. And I stood there and I'd answered all their questions and they said, you speak like you're a minister of the gospel. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> you better believe it. Going to pass the offering bag around. No. <laughs> Eventually, he recommended me, this lieutenant, to be a non commissioned officer. When I walked out of there and they gave us the results, that panel recommended me to be an officer. And I give God the glory for that because God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And friends, preparing this was hard. It's easier to preach it than to believe it. God will make a way for you and for me where there seems to be no way. Why? Because he created the heavens and the earth and he won't abandon us. He won't take us somewhere where he will just say, I want to leave you there to suffer. No, that's not God. See, the devil comes to steal, to rob and to destroy. But Christ has come that we might have life and life to the full. God is Lord of all or not Lord at all. See, when I begin to, to take things into my own hands, then it shows my lack of faith. It shows my, my sufficiency on me rather than my all sufficiency and faith and trust in Him. In Him. You know, in Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, it talks about giving. And here it says that God will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you that you cannot contain. That word pour out is the word ruk in the Hebrew, which means he will empty his hands. God, not the bank manager, God who created the heavens and the earth will come and empty his hands on you. Wow. Whatever is good for me, whatever is good for me, could be that money will be bad for me. Could be that whatever is good for me, he empties out for me. What a blessing. God, you know that. You'll make a way where there seems to be no way. Friends, I'm blown away by Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death. And he has revealed to you and to me what the bad is for our lives through his word. The free gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life for you and for me.
I think it's important that we get our house in order, that we put him first, that we follow those principles of first fruits in every area of my life. And I make a commitment to keep the Lord first in my life. There might be areas in my heart, if I compare my heart to a house with certain rooms, there is always that one room in the house that's got the junk in it. Not your house, I'm talking about my house. There's some stuff, you know, we don't go in that room. Close the door when guests come because there's, God wants us to empty the junk out and put him in. When we encounter a problem, he has gone before us. He'll walk us through it. Doesn't mean we'll never have problems, but he'll walk us through it. Then folk, let me end off by giving you two verses. Listen nicely, because this is profound. It's got to be profound, because God put it there. In 1 Samuel 2.30, it says, But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me, those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. I had a look at those words. The word honor me is the word kabad, which means to glorify. It's like a scale that actually says, those who honor me, I will put, or, or as we honor him, we put weight on the scale and put him first. And he says here, but those who despise me, those who do not honor me, will be disdained. I looked up that word disdained. And you know, it actually means that God will not abandon those who dishonor him, but he cannot bless them as much as those who honor him. Does that make sense? That's profound. In other words, those who put God first, he will honor. But those who don't put God first, he still goes after them. But he cannot bless them as much as he would like to. That's profound. That's profound. Remember Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son wished his father dead, went and squandered all his money, did everything that was anti their culture. Said, God, I wish you, or Father, I wish you dead. Let me take my inheritance. Doesn't go and invest it. He goes and squanders it in wine, woman and song. And when he comes to his senses, he comes back to the father. And what does the father do? He says, go back to where you came from, you rotten son. You embarrassed me. No, the father's there with his open arms and says, come, my son, come, come. Once you were lost, but now you've been found. That's the father's heart. But folk, he doesn't just welcome us back. He wants to bless us abundantly. So it goes without saying that we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to us. There's a story titled Baptist Temple in Philadelphia began with 57 cents. Hattie Wyatt, a little girl, came to a small Sunday school and asked to be taken in. It was explained there was no room for her. In less than two years, she fell ill and slipped away on her last journey. No one guessed her strange secret until beneath her pillow was found a torn pocketbook 
with 57 cents in it, wrapped in a scrap of paper on which was written, to help build the little temple bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. For two years, she had saved her pennies for the cause that was nearest her heart. The pastor told the incident to his congregation, and the people began making donations for the enlargement. The papers told it far and wide, and within five years, those 57 cents had grown to be $250,000. And today, in Philadelphia, in America, can be seen a great church, the Baptist Temple, seeking 3,300. A temple college with accommodations for more than 1,400 students. A temple hospital and a temple Sunday school. So large, a temple Sunday school so large that all who wish may come and be comfortable. God will make a way where there seems to be no way, but he wants my heart to be totally dedicated to him. The feast of not second fruits, not third fruits, but first fruits. To put Jesus first in our lives, in our time, in our families, in our relationships, in all that we do. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of being called your children. Thank you that we have the privilege of calling you Father. So, Father, we pray that you will come more and more to reveal yourself to us, the true and living God, that without hesitation, we'll put you first. Help us to do this, Lord, to live a life pleasing to you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.